Tone. Wisdom shared by the housewives and the occasional house husband of Scotland in the pages of the Sunday Post in the 1950s. Whatever will they make of it today? Hello and welcome back to the first, the first episode. (laughs) Okay, take that back. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Pass It On podcast with me, Steve and Chris. Um, This week, I believe we are talking about meat and fish. We are talking about meat and fish. These are some of the 1950s cooking tips and some of them, as ever, will be uh, strange. Um, You'll you'll wonder why I'm reading this nonsense out, but, but some of them are really useful. Um, We've wondered that for 51 episodes. But that has been like the leitmotif of this show. And it's one of the just absolute joys of recording this with you two reprobates has been discovering tips that which run the, the gamut from the sublime to the ridiculous, right? Some of them are genuinely useful. Some of them are fascinatingly tell you a lot about the social history at the time. And some of them are just batty and we're never, surely never, ever made any sense. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> After that ringing endorsement from Chris, we're going to start with one of those butty ones. Fishy smell. To remove the smell of fish from hands, rub fingers with a little dry mustard before washing with soap and water. Mrs. Thompson, 8 Grange Road, St Andrews. Now, that might work, I don't know, but you have just changed your fishy smelling fingers to your mustard smelling fingers, which isn't much of a gain. I would suggest. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, because classically, of course, the, the, the cure for fish smell on your fingers was lemon. But that mm. I, I think that was supposed to be something something actually happened. It wasn't just sort of masking the smell with a different smell. I, I hope so. Surely just normal soap gets rid of the smell. I I don't don't know. Know. Oh, not the stinky back. fish they had in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was particularly pungent. <laughs> it makes me think of that stuff that your parents used to put on your nails to stop you biting them. You know, like that this that disgusting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> did did you get that done to you, Connie? Yeah, but I just used to lick I like, used to suffer the pain and lick it off and then resume biting. <laughs> Is it taught you a different lesson? It taught you a kind of a stoicism. <laughs> it it, get it taught it. me to be a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that was a lesson that uh, your mum was going for, but no, that's the lesson not. you took from it. Yes, it is. <laughs> no. Connie, a rebel? Mm. <laughs> Never. No, no idea what happened But also, I don't, like, would, would mustard sting little cuts? I don't know. I've never oh, I imagine mustard it would. Yeah. Dermally. Yeah. yeah. It, it might, might stain as well. Yeah, true. Everybody's hands were nicotine stained anyway. Mm. Even the children. <laughs> Especially the children. <laughs> <laughs> had to get through the day somehow. Um, mustard's one of those mad things as well. You, you, like the um, ready-made mustard is supposed to be significantly less good than mustard you. It's one of those things that old people always rail against, like the convenience of ready-mixed mustard. Yeah. You should yeah. get the dried uh-huh. mustard and then mix it up yourself. Honestly, it, was, it wasn't until compiling this book that I knew mustard existed in powdered form. This was a revelation really? to me. Really? Hmm. This is something yeah, you used to get little tins. How do you not know that? Yeah. You used to get little tins. I don't know. I, honestly, my well, I didn't pay any attention. Oh, that's how my parents had mustard when I was a kid. Was in, mm. was in a, a Coleman's, that very mm-hmm. iconic yellow square rectangular tin yeah. with powdered mustard in it. Oh, actually, wait a minute. I remember the tins. I was well, just then. never in the kitchen. Oof. And, and uh, it's something you've persisted uh, in your adulthood as well. Indeed, huh? yes. Oh, it works well for, for everybody, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's good. What about horseradish? 
How are you in horse racing? Oh, I do. I, 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 well, again, I've no idea how horseradish comes to be horseradish sauce. I've that is a mystery to me that I've never even thought about. Well, it's just it's just a root. It looks a bit like parsnip, and you grate yeah. it and put it in um, sort of, you know, creamy stuff. Right. Yeah, right. I don't like. Yeah, but it's a bit like um, uh, all the wasabi you get in sushi. All the wasabi that you see mm. you get in the sushi you buy um, <laughs> is just um, is. It's fake. It's not real wasabi because wasabi has to be sort of harvested and eaten within uh, some number of hours, yes. maybe even I minutes. Like- so you, you can't you can't actually you, you can't mass produce it because it doesn't. It, it's it's one of those weird things. Apparently, it is. I've never had it. Uh, you apparently no, it's a very different. Uh, almost experience. nobody in the West has ever had it because it's so expensive. Yeah, exactly. I like wasabi peas, but I always regret it a few hours later. Connie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's I really true. like, I love um, Bombay Mix and there is a particular brand that I really like that is quite hard to find, but I discovered you can buy kilogram catering bags of it on Amazon. Uh, I've not yet done that, but I have bought um, eight 250 gram packets in a box to come to me. And when you do that, Amazon goes, would you like to subscribe to this product and save even more money? <laughs> no, even I can't do that. <laughs> Bombay Mix is quite retro. Have you guys been buying tons of stuff on no. Amazon in lockdown? Yes. No. Well, yeah. it's not, it's, it's kind of, it's that, the stuff that I would buy on the high street, because I can't go to the high street, I've been buying on Amazon. So we've had a huge problem with cardboard in the house. Yes. <laughs> just yeah. All these boxes appear and you've got to, you know, the, all the recycling centers are shut, although they're just reopening around us now. But cardboard piling up. You know mm. what you could do with that cardboard, Chris? Go on. You could you could make a template to um, polish your brass door plate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quite right, too. <laughs> well remembered, Connie. Yeah. <laughs> You can choose. You can choose whether it's door sized or door sized. It's, <laughs> it's just a little, a little. Free. I'd forgotten that. <laughs> yes. Press my button again. Go on. Press my button. Press my button. Finnan haddock. If a finnan haddock is smacked on the skin side, then halved lengthwise before skinning, the skin comes away without bringing the flesh with it. Mrs. M. S. Hall. I'll try that again. Mrs. M. S. Hall. Castle Fraser Flats, Kemney, Aberdeenshire. I like the idea of giving a fish a good smacking. <laughs> you just like that because it's a finnin, finnin fish. I know, it's a Which different spelling certainly. from me. Yes. <laughs> a finnin yep. haddie. I can't decide. Like, you, it sounds like, who would write that in if it wasn't true? Yeah. That's very, yeah, you're absolutely right, yeah. Presumably yeah. she's done this for years and, and is convinced. Maybe, maybe though it's, a, it's complete placebo, maybe it does nothing, but she just gets very good fish where the skin comes away easily. Maybe she needs to do a double blind test and not smack the haddock uh, <laughs> one time and see if it still works. That does sound like a euphemism, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. I like it. Can you all gut fishes? Not a clue. Never tried. Well, so I'm the only person here that can gut fish. Okay, well, one point to me. I used to catch uh, flatfish with a fishing rod and a fishing line off the uh, sewage pipe that uh, extended into the sea. And I would take them home and my mother would refuse to do anything with them. (laughs) Not so uh, Quite right too. Where they'd been feeding. Yes. (laughs) Gross. And the smell of place that has gone off revolts me to this day. Specifically place or any fish? Yeah. Specifically Mm -hmm. place, because that's what I used to catch. And then for Mm -hmm. reasons I cannot now recall, we kept them, me and my brother, kept them in the rabbit hutch until somebody else threw them out. It wasn't me. 
<laughs> was it a rabbit in the hutch as well? There were periodic rabbits. Periodic rabbits. But um, we kept leaving the uh, hutch door open and they would run away. Not surprised. You've been placing their place. I was going to say, yeah, if there's some rotten fish in my house, I'm getting the <laughs> hell out of there as well. <laughs> we once actually found a, an oyster catcher, which is a fairly large bird. And it was mm. almost but not quite dead. And we took that home too and said to our dad... Um, Dad, you'll have to do something with it, save its life. But obviously not knowing an awful lot about saving lives of uh, oyster catchers, we put that under rabbit hutch as well. And then it died overnight. Oh, um, We rescued a sparrow when I was little and it, and it survived. Did you? See, that's, that's what we want in this show, Steve. We want hope, not <laughs> just death, not, not bird death. <laughs> so lost rabbits and dead oyster catchers, that's bad then? That's bad. Yes. Right, yeah. let me give you something good then. Okay. Involving rabbits, no less. Oh. See, you just thought I was waffling, but there was there was method to the madness. This is from January the 21st, 1951. Rabbit. Next time you stew a rabbit, pop a handful of prunes into the pot. They oh. flavour and colour the gravy. The two go surprisingly well together. <laughs> Mrs V. Harrison, Dundee. That, that sounds, sounds very posh. Delicious. Doesn't it? But doesn't it sound like that sounds like proper hipster cooking? Do you? No. See, to me, that sounds so old. Yeah, me oh, it does, but 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 it's like come back. Don't you think it's like it sounds like it's come back round again? So, yeah, so rabbit. Yeah, uh-huh. So you talk about it being sustainable, food miles, local, um, mm. low. It'd be very, obviously rabbit meat's very lean. Um, you talk about that, and then you talk about you know paired with you know. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a, there's something about you know, taking these really old fashioned things like prunes in particular and making them uh, new again. And I, I I think that sounds like it could be you could. There's a for people who don't know Dundee, the office that we normally work in has a Kiwi uh, New Zealand restaurant opposite it called The Batch. That sounds like something you'd get in The Batch. Yeah, Easy. yeah. Rabbit is that what that is? Actually, New Zealand. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It actually slightly mm. reminds me of one of the best meals I have had in my entire life. It was on holiday in Turkey, I think it was. And to be fair, it had been a long day and I was absolutely starving. But we went to this restaurant and one of the things they did was it was a a sort of clayware pot that had various different types of meat and fruit and spices that had been slow cooked inside it. And they brought this out and instead of emptying the pot, they broke the pot and then let it pour onto uh-huh. pita bread sort of stuff on on your plate. And my goodness, that was delicious. I absolutely. do like a dramatic serving. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Still a, an absolute sucker for a flambéed crepe at the table. Yeah, yeah. old yeah, school French restaurant style. Or a melty pudding. Oh, <laughs> a melty, yeah. a melty um, pudding. Amazing. You know what I mean? Like you get these ball things and you pour hot stuff yeah. on it and it all blubbles yeah. together. Um, that reminds me of one of the worst meals I've ever had, which was chicken <laughs> and apricots. Ooh, it was horrible. Oh, really? I'm really not a fan of like sweet things and normal things no and i see i absolutely love that currants and and raisins and such like and well i can only go back to this uh this turkish i can't remember the name of it fantastic little thing i'll have it for tea only takes about four days to prepare Uh, i don't know if steve's got this coming up in his list of tips but it really reminded his story of the broken open pot really reminded me have any of you ever been served like fish baked in a salt crust. Yes. No, see, I'm not a big fish fan, I have to admit. Are you not? No, it's not. Whenever confronted with a menu, I would rarely go for the fish. 
Oh, I would always go for the fish. Fish or seafood, I'm there. Would you? Definitely. See, I look at squid and think, that's not edible. Well, that's my most favourite oh, thing in the world. Squid's is it? Amazing. Calamari. And do you think, like, like, is that just a, 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 a classic, didn't eat it as a kid? I think that's precisely what it is. When we had fish in the house, it was white fish in uh, breadcrumbs. I do like, yeah. I have to admit, a, a single fish from a chip shop doused in lots of salt, lots of vinegar. Whoa, mm, lovely. Bloody knew you were going to say vinegar. I, I have to say that that's um, near us, our local chipper in Brotty Ferry has recently reopened mm. and they've put in lots of very good, um, clever social distancing measures in place. And we went there, I went down to pick up a delivery of uh, fish and chips a week or so ago and it was a first takeaway food we'd had in mm. lockdown yeah and it tasted like the very food of the gods <laughs> in part i think because we hadn't like thought about it we hadn't cooked yeah. it we didn't yeah. have to clean up after it it was just i mean it's, it's a great chipper anyway but man it was amazing there's a fish and chip van that comes to letham on a sunday so it goes like mm. around other villages through the week but obviously having it on a sunday is like the best day i think to have it yeah um mm. Oh God, it's so good. I love a chippy. That's like my probably one of my favourite teas. Right, tea. speaking of food coming around, which we almost were, hit my button, Chris. By any measure, this is a strange tip. It's from September the 30th, 1951. Fowls by post. When sending a fowl by post, clean and then place an onion inside the fowl. It will arrive in perfect condition. Mrs. A. Wait. Henderson, Smithy House, Bilbster, <laughs> Wick. Now you're going to ask okay. the obvious question, aren't you? <laughs> How much does it cost? <laughs> yeah, is, is it large letter or does it have to go as a parcel? No, I cannot imagine anybody sending a chicken by post. That's an odd thing. It is an odd thing. And I'm trying to even put myself in the in the context where it would have been not odd. Why would but you I need can't to? think of any context for it. Exactly. Unless I, you were sending I mean, it to a taxidermist. <laughs> Is it no. just like, you know, if, if you're in the country and you send a chicken into your family in the city or something? Is it something like that? It possibly well, not. It maybe was. Um, but how strange that it was such a common thing that you just went, you know. Can I read you another tip which might help shed light on this? Hit the button again. Tough fowl. Instead of stuffing in the usual way, fill your fowl with raw potatoes. Cook slowly in a covered dish. Steam from... The potatoes makes the flesh of the fowl as tender as a spring chicken. Mrs. Mm -hmm. Mary Boswell, 12 Peter Street, Workington. Now, the thing that struck me about this was, it's the first time I've seen the phrase a spring chicken in its original use. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because obviously a young, tender spring chicken was a good thing. My dad would always get really uh, annoyed that you could no longer get boilers. You couldn't get old chickens because ah. he, he would insist that that made better stock. Um, so he railed against this modern obsession with sweet, tender, young chickens and said that you should be getting them, um, you should be able to get old boilers as well so you get good stock for them for your soup. <laughs> old boilers. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> it's not what he refers to my mama as, I'm, I'm assured. <laughs> Right, I'm going to read you a bad tip then. Hit the button again. This, this, this actually quite annoys me. August 19th, 1951. Dough balls. Lay a piece of greaseproof paper on top of the stew or mince and place the dough balls on the paper. That way, they don't absorb the gravy and are light and fluffy. Mrs McCook, 260 Bearsden Road, Glasgow. 
surely the point of having yeah. dough balls in your mince is, is to soak up the gravy so that they taste suety and gravy Moist. And, yeah. Oh. <laughs> what was that, guess? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I just uh, had visions of me clipping it, you just going, moist. <laughs> um, it's a it's a peculiarly Scottish and Irish thing, isn't it? I don't, I don't think it's a, it happens even in the rest of the UK, maybe in Wales, um, but the idea of putting dough balls on top of your stew or your mince well, see, as it cooks. As a small child, we never had dough balls, but after getting married... Dough balls and mince was the highlight of the mince to the family <laughs> I married into. And I've grown to quite like it. To quite like it. Quite like it. I mean, it's not the original, my mum's mince. I thought you just <laughs> liked mince and chips. I do like mince and chips. But my favourite food of all, I must have told you about this before, is peas and dip. Remember when you used to get uh, plain or pan bread but and mm, yes. plain mm-hmm. bread? Well, yep. the heel end of a piece of plain bread with put on a plate and then the skims from the top of the mince or the stew uh, ladled out and put onto the bread and it it soaks in until the bread has become a gelatinous slimy <laughs> glistening fatty mess and it was salty doughy and it is, remains my favourite food ever so easily pleased I am easily pleased. He is easily pleased. It's mm. funny, it makes me think of, I remember watching, there's a, a programme on Netflix I really like called Ugly Delicious and it talks about various different cuisines around the world. And when it talked about, um, I think it was Chinese cuisine in particular, this is one of the problems that the Western palate has with it is this texture. Because a lot mm. of uh, very authentic Chinese food can be quite, what we would consider gelatinous, yeah. odd texture. But you're like, you're you're right in there. You're, you, you, you wanted it more gelatinous than it I, was. I like the glip. Yeah. On that note, guys, could you press the button again because I have another uh, gelatinous, um, glistening, fatty tip to give you. <laughs> no way to describe us. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a terrifying image. Here you go. Takes the toughness out of meat. To improve a tough-looking joint of meat, make cuts through it from top to bottom with a sharp knife. Into the cuts... Insert thin pieces of lard dipped in salt and pepper. Meat oh. is usually roasted this way in Sweden. Mrs. Christina oh. E. Robertson, 5 Stanley Place, Edinburgh, wins a pair of towels for that. Mm. How continental. I, it's a brilliant tip. It I mean, it, it tastes yeah. delicious. Yeah, yeah it would. <laughs> and be really lard, crack, like, salt and mm, pepper. Oh. Fatty and oh. What's for tea? Not that. <laughs> but I'd like... I'd like to see if we get any confirmation of that. Uh, and I'm just checking to see if we have any listeners in Sweden who can tell us uh, if that is indeed Denmark. We've got Sweden. In, in the last year, we've had 14 people listen from Sweden. Okay. Excellent. Come so through Sweden. You're, yes. Right, you're, Sweden. We're waiting for the votes from the Sweden jury. I want to know if that is indeed how you <laughs> roast your meat or if she just made that up but the idea of putting extra fat into your roasting meat and extra salt and pepper i mean what's not to love a bit of me absolutely yeah right to finish off today we're going to talk about one of my favorite food subjects which is custard i do love custard so yeah actually no wait a minute before we get to custard hit my button again chris soft fruits 
Cherries and dates for cakes and puddings can be chopped easily if they are first rolled in plain flour. The pieces don't stick together and fewer cherries and dates are needed. Miss Wilson, FLF Ground, Fullwell Road, Sunderland. I knew this. It also means that they don't sink. Absolutely right, Connie. I believe they don't sink, yep. The little I know of cooking, baking even. (laughs) Anything I like that even. idea as well because it would. The idea, of course, is that you don't get these little bits clumping together, so that you get fruit more evenly distributed throughout the the cake. I think that's a perfectly valid mm. tip. How good are glacier cherries? You can just like eat them just out the tub. Oh I, yeah, oh, I yeah. do yeah. like a glacier yeah. cherry. I, I or love as a, bit a cherry cake. Classy cherry. Yeah. Oh yeah, very classy. <laughs> right, come on, Mister Custard. Custards. Baked custards will not be watery if a few grains of rice are put into the bottom of the dish. The rice absorbs any moisture and leaves the custard firm. Breadcrumbs can be used instead of rice. Mrs M McCallum, McCallum Street, Campbelltown. She even had a street named after her. That's how good her (laughs) tip was. Uh, Fetted um, in the community. That's interesting. My granny used to make us stewed apples and custard every day after school. Oh, oh, it was honestly so good, so yeah, so good. Yeah. Stewed apples, and they were fr- apples from her apple tree. And oh my goodness me! I can't really decide if I think that tip is worthwhile or uh, a waste of time, though, because <laughs> it, it says it will absorb any moisture. Of course, it wouldn't absorb all the moisture; otherwise, you just end up with uh, <laughs> a disc, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a disc of powder at the bottom of it. Um, also, like, I don't want to be eating my custard and find some breadcrumbs at the bottom. Just make your <laughs> no, custard right either. in the first place, woman. Yeah. I think that shows a <laughs> slatternly a attitude. <laughs> right, okay, I have a question for you then, folks. Clouty dumpling. Is clouty dumpling to be fried and eaten with meat? Or is it a pudding? Oh, I think, I don't know. We're going to have to get some context for people outside Scotland because nobody outside Scotland is going to know what a clouty dumpling is. A clouty dumpling is a made with fat, lots of it several types of different types of fruits sultanas it definitely has brown sugar in there you're asking the wrong person really i don't know how it's, to make gluten dumpling my it's expertise not, it's not unlike christmas pudding really is it it's not unlike yeah true christmas pudding is a good comparison mm. and it, the reason it's called a clouty dumpling is it's baked in a cloth or it was cloth, yeah. as we'd say in scotland so you'd, you'd, you'd put the the mixture into the cloth and the clout and then you'd uh, wrap it around and you'd uh, steam that or boil that over hot water and you'll know, Chris, being something of an expert, that sometimes a hard skin forms on your clouty dumpling. But if you hit my button again, I will cure you of that. Clouty dumpling. After having boiled an old-fashioned dumpling, remove cloth and sprinkle sugar immediately over the dumpling. This keeps the hard skin from forming. Mrs M Miller, 18 for Dice Street, Glasgow. She's right, because the chewy skin but isn't good Steve it was very nice of you to describe yourself in that tip <laughs> an old fashioned dumpling, dumpling. <laughs> <laughs> How, actually that if that was described in 1950 and she was called old fashioned so to your question Steve is it to be eaten give us the options again uh, well you can let it sort of set and harden a bit and slice it and then fry it in the same fat <laughs> that you would fry bacon or or egg or sausages and it actually tastes really quite nice that way that sounds absolutely a bit salty actually but um you can also have it as a pudding as a christmas pudding type Mm -hmm. thing with custard yeah it's the same food 
But it really reminds me of, um, there was always a thing in the, the Bruins and Wally, which for those not inside Scotland mm-hmm. or not of the Scottish mm-hmm. diaspora, was a cartoon, two cartoon series that ran in the Sunday Post, the parent newspaper of this podcast. Um, and there was a thing in the Sunday Post where they would make porridge and pour it into a drawer in the dresser. And mm-hmm. then the next day you'd cut <laughs> slices, slabs of that yes. out. And inevitably the storyline was always that Grandpa had lost his teeth. <laughs> and they would be surfaced in a, <laughs> in a slab of porridge the next day. Um, but like as a kid, that just always I was just mesmerised at the concept of just pouring porridge into a drawer in your dressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With pencil sharpenings and all sorts of dusty <laughs> yes. stuff. Um, do you have your porridge sweet or savoury? We have. Yeah, well, it's medium sweet as well. I think. That, I think that just immediately undercuts any authority you have as a as a Scotsman, Steve. As soon as you put anything other than salt on your porridge, you, you lose all credibility. <laughs> Raspberries and sugar, thank you very much. <laughs> well, there was that, when my wife and I used to live in London, we used to get into <laughs> Jenny would get quite militantly angry at one of my colleagues who would do like, you know, sort of condensed milk and demerara sugar and <laughs> cash, cashew nuts and stuff. She'd be like, no, but she's from Aberdeen and they're funny folk in Aberdeen. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Yes, they are, actually. I married one of them. Uh, So, folks, this is the penultimate episode of season one of Pass It On. Next time, we're going to be talking about Steve's top five tips. And I say we warn people now that it might be a long episode because we need to (laughs) spend time reflecting on the absolute madness and insanity that has happened over the last year of doing this show. Um, Are there any tips that you need to get into this one before we wrap it up, Mr. Finnan? Um, Yeah, but it's a bad one, but it's really, really redolent of my childhood. Hit my button again. Gooseberries. To keep gooseberries whole while stewing, boil the water and sugar together first. Put the berries in while the syrup is still boiling. This will be done in a few minutes. Mrs M Finlay, Seaview and Ellen Argyleshire. I hated gooseberries as a child. (gasps) I love gooseberries. Do I you? like gooseberries too. And red currants. The colour's not right. The little hairs are very off-putting. And the taste is not great, guys. There was, um, uh, I, grew, I grew up in the countryside. You'd never guess it from my debonair metropolitan ways, but I, I grew up yes, in yes, the middle of nowhere. And um, there was loads of fruit bushes around us. And there was one that was quite, it was about, I don't know, two miles, about a mile and a half maybe away from the house. There was one particular gooseberry bush that had the most beautiful pink blush gooseberries on that when they were ripe, they were really, really sweet and very, very soft. Mm. And I really, it, it does speak to me of a very idyllic, idyllic times in my childhood where I would uh, cycle or walk out to that and just gorge myself on gooseberries. I have the same sort of thing with brambles. Yeah, oh God, brambles or blackberries as, as uh-huh. they're called in Scotland. Uh, again, we'd, we'd, we'd pick those. And a bramble and apple pie to this oh. day is oh, my is. go-to. It's, it's just mm. the best. And the thing about brambles, I think, is you if it was a foreign fruit, like if it was imported and cost a fortune, it would people would be raving about it because it's such an unusual, mm-hmm. complicated flavour you get out of, out of brambles. But because yes. it's just growing on hedgerows, we just don't think that much about it. Anyway, I think on that note, since it is new, what are you having for tea tonight, boys and girls? Spaghetti. I'm not mm. sure. We, there are several options we've not yet decided Ooh, which exciting. of the options we're going to go for. It would sit, whisper it though. It would have been Chinese, except the Chinese isn't open tonight. It's closed on a Wednesday. Oh, that's that's we record this. <laughs> I am. Um, I am going to have fish cakes. I think I do enjoy oh, a fish nice. cake. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I think we will leave it there for today. Um, join us again next week for our last ever episode. God, I'm definitely going to cry. You do know that. <laughs> definitely. Um, we will see you then for more madness or possibly genius from the households of Scotland in the 1950s and for more madness from us here in Scotland today. See you then, guys. Take care. Bye.